Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. When you last thought about your leadership team, whether it was on the way to work today, maybe even when you got up this morning or at some other point of reflection, how did it make you feel? Are you encouraged by all that you're able to accomplish together and your team dynamics or did thinking about your team stress you out? Today on the podcast, we're going to be hearing from someone who's going to be sharing with us the importance of the leadership team, which is probably something you're already on board with. But he's also going to share with us about how to think about structuring that team for optimal performance. If you already have a leadership team, this is going to be valuable to you. And if you are in a position where you're interested in leadership but have not yet developed a leadership team or are not already at that place, this is also going to be really valuable for you in preparation. We're going to get to a little bit more about our guest in just a second. But first, do you want to accelerate your leadership success? There's a way you can do that for free, and it's called the MindScan. This assessment is an inventory based on the Nobel-nominated Hartman Value Profile, and it measures your capacity to make value judgments concerning you and the world around you. Instead of simply understanding how you behave, it objectively measures why you behave the way you do. Align your thinking strengths with your leadership goals by applying to take the MindScan today. All you need to do is apply by emailing community at lifeasleadership.com. You'll get a unique link and the opportunity to review your results. Both the assessment and review call are totally free. If you want to understand the how and why of your decision making, in order to more quickly get the results you want, the MindScan can be your next step to success. Once again, community at lifeasleadership.com. Now, on to today's interview. Our guest today is the best-selling author of Performance Breakthrough and Breakthrough Leadership Team. He's also a nationally recognized speaker and leadership team coach. He founded Performance Breakthrough in 2007 to help mid-sized companies achieve dramatic business growth by working with leadership teams to ensure they have the right people, strategies, and execution habits for growth. He has over 30 years of experience consulting and coaching companies from the local entrepreneur to the Fortune 500. Throughout his career, he's helped companies like Verizon, Disney, Chanel, Dillard's, Liz Claiborne, and Levi Strauss. Here is Mike Goldman. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Joshua, thanks for having me. So I like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. You ready for these? I'm ready. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? If you're not learning and growing, you're dying. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? I think first, a leader is curious. They're they're lifelong learners. Uh, A leader is someone who has a clear vision of an inspiring future. And a leader is someone that's accountable, meaning they hold themselves accountable, but they also have the discipline to hold others accountable. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? Would you, if you had a chance to do it all over again, 
would you enthusiastically rehire everyone on your team? What's a book that you would recommend to leaders? I love that there's a book called Leadership and Self-Deception by by, uh, the Arbinger Group. And I think that's a real life-changing group and and how, how you look at yourself and how you look at other people. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? Your life is all about your focus. So, so the advice I give them is focus on what you want, not what you don't want. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? I think they're both great questions, but, but I think more important is the why because with a, with a big enough why, uh, I think we can do anything. So we have to know why we're doing something. We've got to strengthen that why, and it gives us the, 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 the fuel we need for the engine to accomplish great things in life and to impact society. Well, Mike, we are here today to discuss your new book, Breakthrough Leadership Team. But this is not your first book. This is your second book. And I'd love for you to speak about, obviously, Breakthrough Leadership Team, but also your first book, Performance Breakthrough. Could you give us an overview of that book and now Breakthrough Leadership Team, maybe some of the ways they're connected, but also some of the new ground you're breaking with Breakthrough Leadership Team? Yeah, I will. And, and I guess I'll start with the way they're connected. My, my purpose in in my business is to help as many people as I can feel incredibly fulfilled by what they do for a living. I believe retirement ought to be a dirty word. I think if if you ever told me, uh, you know, here's a billion dollars, now go travel the world and, and play golf, I'd probably be happy for about three weeks and then I'd be bored out of my mind. So my whole purpose in life is to, to help folks feel that fulfillment. The way I do that is by working with leadership teams. And that's really what brings the two books together is they're both focused on that. The first book is called Performance Breakthrough, The Four Secrets of Passionate Organizations. It's actually told in the form of a story. It's semi-autobiographical. Um, and it's all about how the, the four ways to really um, inject passion uh, into your team. And, and that's what the first book is all about. And the second book, uh, which just came out at the end of April, is called Breakthrough Leadership Team. And that really focuses on my key learning uh, really over the last 30 years, but but more, more than anything over the last 15 years or so, is that if you do want to create a great company where people feel fulfilled, they learn and grow, you impact society, to create a sustainably great company, You need a great leadership team. I really believe as the leadership team goes, so goes the organization. And, you know, one morning I was just thinking about what it is I do. And and, uh, I realized what I do is I help create great leadership teams. And being an avid reader, I said, let me go out and and find a book. You know, I I ought to read a book on that if that's what I do for a living. And, of course, I, I realized I have read hundreds of books on leadership and dozens of books on team building. I went out on Amazon, could not find one book solely focused on how you structure a leadership team, how you develop that leadership team, how you find the right people for a leadership team, how you execute as a leadership team. Couldn't find the book. So I said, I guess I've got to write it if I can't find it. And that's what I did. So you raise a good point, which is often we think about ourselves, how we can develop ourselves as leaders, because we can control what we do. 
but it's a little bit harder to think about your leadership team because you don't have as much direct control over other people. That being said, one thing you say about this book, Breakthrough Leadership Team, is that it's not a leadership book. You talk to us a little bit about why Breakthrough Leadership Team is not a leadership book. Yeah, it's not a leadership book because the book is not focused on how you as an individual can become a better leader. It's really focused on that team. It's focused on why the leadership team is so important. Uh, you know, if your leadership team is, is weak, overwhelmed, uh, you know, that, that's going to cascade down throughout the company. If the leadership team isn't working together, the people beneath them won't work together. If the leadership team doesn't hold themselves accountable, the people who report to them won't hold, them, hold themselves accountable. So it's really about the team and how that team comes together, how you proactively structure that team as an example. You know, most companies I work with, and I exclusively work with leadership teams as a leadership team coach, typically when, when a CEO at some point in their growth realizes hey, you know what, I, I probably need to stop also heading up sales. I need to hire a VP of sales. They typically realize that when prospects are falling through the cracks or the CEO might say, hey, it's about time I hired a head of HR. Well, they come to that conclusion when five superstar A players leave because the culture is horrendous. So, Part of what I talk about in, in this book is how you proactively structure that leadership team so you know six months before you need that VP of sales, you're going to need that person. So you either grow that person internally or you start looking from the outside. So it's, it's, it's really about how to proactively create that team, how to proactively define the right culture on that team. So it's not so much about the individual becoming a better leader. It's about how to create a better team. And I do want to get to structuring a leadership team in just a second. That's the second chapter of your book, and I'd love to get into a few details there that leaders can be thinking about as they look to structure their own leadership teams. But the first chapter of your book is on self-leadership. So even though this is not a leadership book, can you talk to us a little bit about the importance of self-leadership and maybe why it's a precursor to some of the other chapters of your book? Yeah, it's really a foundation of the rest, because if you can't lead yourself, then good luck trying to, to create the right leadership team. So it really starts with the idea of, of as the leader, as the CEO or a member of that leadership team, you've got to be continuously learning, improving. You've got to be leveraging your strengths every day. You have to be aware of your emotional state and how it impacts the rest of the team and have the ability to manage that emotional state. Uh, it, it gets to your focus, focusing on those things you, you can control. So that first chapter truly is, uh, when I say that this book isn't a leadership book, the first chapter does focus on self-leadership because without that, uh, you know, what a CEO or a leader tends to do is kind of point the finger and say, we're not performing well because of those people out there. And they don't really take responsibility for looking in the mirror. So it's got to start with that self-leadership. And I'll let you speak to this a little bit so that you can correct me if I'm if I'm off base here. But focusing on self-leadership, as you said, is kind of the precursor. Now, in, in some of the later chapters of your book, you focus on finding the right people, defining the culture, executing with discipline. Would you say that 
you are a microcosm of your leadership team and that you need to be the right person to know your values and be able to execute with discipline before you can get the right people on board with you? Yeah, I think, Joshua, that, that's absolutely right. And I go back to John Maxwell many years ago, uh, wrote about the law of the lid. And I talk about that a lot because to me what that means is the lid on the growth of your company, the lid on the growth of your team is that leader. So if the leader isn't learning, growing, improving, the rest of the team is not going to do the same. If you're a B player, you're not going to be able to hire an A player. B players tend to hire C players. So, so uh, Joshua, I agree. I think what you said is uh, absolutely on target. So before we get to structuring a leadership team and a few things that people can be thinking about in that regard, where would you say that you see the lid most for leaders? Uh, I think this is valuable because you work with leaders and leadership teams. If you can begin to identify some of those things to maybe speak into the lives of people listening right now so they can identify their own lids when it comes to leadership, that would be really helpful. Do you tend to see any trends when it comes to the lids that leaders have in their own lives? Yeah, I think the biggest one, and, and in fact, when I uh, when I wrote this book, it was a combination of my 30 years experience, but I also interviewed many, many successful CEOs who have built great teams, and almost all of them, all except one, actually, uh, when I asked them the question, what was the biggest mistake you made in building your leadership team, all of them said some combination of hiring the wrong person onto the leadership team and or keeping that wrong person on the leadership team too long. So back to your question, I think the lid for most leaders, especially the CEO, is this limitation around uh, going back and asking that question I mentioned earlier, you know, would you enthusiastically rehire everyone on your team? And I think the lid on a lot of CEOs is they keep B players or C players on that leadership team way too long. I believe your leadership team needs to be made up of all A players. If you've got any B players, they absolutely better have A potential within the next six months. And I think out of some combination of loyalty and fear and you know a hesitancy to have that difficult conversation, the lid is leaders tend to keep the wrong people on the team too long. So if you have B and C players on your team, it's going to be a little bit more difficult as we talk about this structuring of a leadership team. But let's imagine that there's a leader who's kind of starting off from the ground up and he or she is looking to build this leadership team. What recommendations would you have for structuring that leadership team? Yeah, I think you've got you've got to start with, with something I call a, a functional accountability chart. When most people think of an org chart, they think of names. So they may put, you know, the CEO is, you know, John Smith. And, and, you know, then I've got, you know, a head of sales working for me and a head of operations working for me. So I've got this org chart with three people on it. And it makes the business look incredibly simple. And you really can analyze that. You look at that, is that the right org chart or not? I don't know. The way you need to start is with a functional accountability chart, which takes a list of what are all the major functions of an organization. And I don't care if you're a one-person organization or a 10,000-person organization. You've got functions like head of company is a function. Sales is a function. Finance is a function. Human resources, 
customer service, R&D, you get the idea, you've got all these functions. And when you start a company, even if you're in business for yourself, or if you've only got two or three people, you need to list out all those functions and say who's accountable. So your name as CEO may be in six different places. Your head of operations may be in five different places. Your CFO may be in four different places. So you need to start with that realization so you could look at that functional org chart, that functional accountability chart over time and understand as my business grows as CEO, you know, right now I'm playing six roles and maybe that's okay, but at what point in my growth am I not going to be able to play those six roles anymore? And therefore, when will I need to restructure, uh, grow someone from within or hire from the outside to add to that structure? So that's my biggest advice. Don't just start with names on a chart. Start with all of the functions and names for those functions. Do you have any recommendations on how to think about replacing yourself or putting people in these different positions? Let's say that you're the leader of a business or some other type of team, and you do have those six roles at the moment. How do you begin thinking about replacing yourself? Are there certain roles you would recommend leaders move out of first, or does it depend on the strengths and interests of the individual leader? I think, and you hit part of it, Joshua, because I don't think there's one answer. I think absolutely it depends on the strength of the leader. And especially if you're a CEO listening to this, the advantage you have over anyone else in the organization is you can craft the team to fit who you are. And if your real strength is in selling, well, you may want to keep that role a little bit longer than you would if your strength was in operations. So I think on the one hand, absolutely it depends on how, you know, what makes sense in terms of you leveraging your unique talents and unique strengths. But it also has to do with the type of company that you have and what's going on in the marketplace and how fast you're growing. If you're growing really fast and you've got the type of business that where, where you need to bring on, you know, 100 new clients over the next month, well, then as CEO, it may be important for you to, uh, you know, to, to jump out of that selling role a little quicker than if you've got a, you know, more complex sale where maybe you need three, three new clients, you know, over, over the next month. So I think it depends on, on your business, the industry you're in, how fast you're growing. But I think, Joshua, you hit on probably the most important point. It depends on the strengths you have as an individual and how you can best leverage those strengths. You've already talked about the importance of being the right person for the job and knowing your own strengths and making sure that you're challenging yourself in appropriate ways. How do you begin finding the right people to fill these other positions as you grow and as you expand? Yeah, number one, you've got to have a process. And and most organizations really don't have a process. They say, wow, we need to hire a head of HR uh, what do we need to do? Well, let's come up with a job description and, you know, let's start figuring out where we're going to go source this, folks. Like every time they hire someone, they're reinventing the wheel. So number one, you need a process. Uh, and there's a great book called Who? The A Method for Hiring, uh, which talks about a, a method of finding the right people called top grading. It's written by a guy named Jeffrey Smart. 
Uh, that top grading methodology, that book, Who the A Method for Hiring, is a great start on creating a process. And some of the things I talk to my clients about is, is creating a virtual bench. A virtual bank says, start networking and talking to people before you have a need so that when you have a need, you're not starting from scratch. You've already got a network of a dozen, two dozen, three dozen people you, you can speak to. So I recommend for everybody on the leadership team, add somebody, add at least one person per member of the leadership team onto that virtual bench every single month. And that means very simply call your network, call the people you know and say, hey, we're growing. Who do you know that's an A player that we ought to be hiring? And then start having those conversations and keep in touch with, with those folks. You know, look for, if you're looking to hire an A player, don't just look for superstars. Look for folks that, that live your core values. One of the things I suggest companies do when I talk about this within the area of kind of defining the right culture is you need to have a set of core values, a set of non-negotiable behaviors that are critical and, and provide the anchor to your culture. You need to look for folks and not, not that are not only superstars, but folks that are living your core values every single day. So to that end, when it comes to culture, would you say, especially if someone is earlier on in the life of an organization, would you say that it is important to have the team begin to define the culture? Or would you say that that's the unique responsibility and opportunity for the leader or the founder of an organization? Yeah, I think it starts with the founder. And it is always the the primary accountability of the founder to define, communicate, uh, and, and make sure as a company you're living that culture. So it starts with the founder or CEO. It's absolutely also the responsibility of the leadership team to take part in that. You know, it's, and, and when I say culture, what, what I really mean is a set of beliefs and values that guide everyone in the company and they're consistently followed. And, and the whole leadership team uh, needs a part in that. Uh, to drill down a little bit further, when I say culture, I talk to my clients and I talk about in the book the three V's of culture. The first V is values, which is what we're all already talking about. The second V is vision. Do you have a clear vision, uh, inspiring, an inspiring clear vision of where the company is going? And is each member of the leadership team an evangelist of that vision? So it's values, vision, and the last V is it's vulnerability, having that vulnerability where you can be honest with the other members of the leadership team, honest and vulnerable with the other members of that leadership team with your direct reports. So people feel like they can be honest and vulnerable with you as well. As well. A great book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Pat Lencioni. And if you're a leader and you haven't read that book, right after you read my book, go read that book. He talks about vulnerability-based trust being the real foundation of a, of a collaborative team, and I agree. So you have yourself in order. You have the right people in place. You have the right culture. You also talk about this idea of this culture cascading through the organization, which goes to one of your chapters focused on executing with discipline. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, executing with discipline is really about uh, three things. Number one, it's having the execution to align 
around a small number of priorities. Very often, I will ask a, a CEO that may be a prospective client of mine, uh, I'll say, well, what are your priorities for the quarter? And I'll get a list of 13 things that CEO wants to do. And then, by the way, if I ask the VP of sales, what are the company's priorities for the quarter, they may also they may come up with 15 things that are 15 totally different things. So number one, having 15, you can't have 15 priorities. If everything is a priority, nothing's a priority. So a leadership team needs to have a small number, maybe two, three, five at the most priorities that everyone is aware of, that everyone is aligned around. So number one, it's aligning around priorities. Number two, it's measuring what matters. Really having a clear understanding of what success means. And for the company and for each function within the company, how do you measure that success? What does success look like? And what does failure look like? So number one, it's aligning around priorities. Number two, it's measuring what matters. Number three, it's having a structured, formal planning and communication rhythm, annual planning, quarterly planning, monthly meetings, uh, uh, weekly meetings, uh, annual planning rhythms, especially in this chaotic environment that we've been living through uh, over the last number of months. Uh, having those guardrails, having that discipline around the priorities, the measurements, and those planning and communication rhythms, ha- having that discipline, uh, believe it or not, discipline sounds like it's res- restrictive, but if you have that discipline, it actually allows you to be more creative, not less creative. Mike. Before we finish the interview today, I'd love for you to give us some final insights, either things we've not yet had a chance to discuss today or things you might want to reiterate from the interview. And also, if you would, give us a little bit of an idea of what we can expect from this book that we didn't get a chance to discuss today, because you've you talked about what's in this book to a significant degree, but there is also more to be had from actually purchasing and reading your book. Yeah, the one thing we haven't talked about that I think is most critical, maybe the most critical, is the idea of developing and improving the team. Making sure that as a team, as a leadership team, you are learning and growing every quarter. Making sure that each member of the leadership team is growing, learning professionally as well as personally. Making sure each member of the leadership team is providing a learning, growing environment for their direct reports. And and as well as learning and growing, it's assessing the talent you have on your team. One of the things I do with my leadership teams is every quarter, we assess who are the A, B, and C players in the organization, one level down from the leadership team. I work with the CEO every quarter to, to assess who the A, B, and C players are on their leadership team. And it's critical that you're taking care of your A players, you're coaching your Bs to become A's, and you are making some really, really important and fast decisions for your C players. Are they coachable? Are we coaching them? Or are we cutting the cord, letting them go off and work for the competition? So that's the one thing we really haven't talked about that's critical in the book that you'll get out of the book is some some tools and ideas on how to make sure you are continuously developing and improving as a leadership team, and as always, how that cascades down throughout the rest of the organization. And Mike, where can people go to learn more about you and the work that you do, and especially Breakthrough Leadership Team? 
So they could buy the book. They could buy both of my books out on uh, Amazon. Uh, and Breakthrough Leadership Team is uh, also available in an audible version. If, if you uh, if you like my New Jersey accent and want to hear it for another seven hours, buy the uh, audible version. Uh, my website is mike-goldman.com. And I want to recommend for all of your listeners, if you go to breakthroughleadershipteam.com, not only will it tell you more about the book, it will give you a chance to download some of the tools that are in the book. But there's actually a Breakthrough Leadership Team assessment that will allow you and your leadership team to take the assessment, look at all of these different areas of being a great Breakthrough Leadership Team, and it'll help you identify where your biggest opportunities for improvement are right now. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being generous with those resources, and thank you for your time today as well. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Joshua. Once again, to get access to those resources that Mike was just talking about, go to BreakthroughLeadershipTeam.com. Now, let's go ahead and get to today's three key takeaways. The first one is this. Before you can get the right people on board with you, you need to make sure that you embody the values and capacities that you seek in others. Here's the thing. If you want a great leadership team, you have to be a great leader and make sure that you're modeling what you want to see on your team. The second key takeaway is this. Leaders have a frequently experienced lid, and that lid is hiring the wrong person or keeping the wrong person on their team too long. This actually goes to all sorts of other areas of life as well. Usually there's a change you need to make, but you don't make it because it makes you feel uncomfortable and it's not something you want to think about. But the truth is eventually something's got to give, and it's usually best to go ahead and make those changes when they first arise rather than waiting too long because it's not going to help anyone. And the final key takeaway is this. Develop a functional accountability chart that shows what functions each person is responsible for and oversees. This gives you an idea of how the structure of the leadership team actually works, and it also gives you an idea of where to focus when adding new people to the team. Once again, to get resources that will help you and your leadership team, go to BreakthroughLeadershipTeam.com. And if you'd like to, you can see that in the show notes below or at LifeAsLeadership.com slash 105. If you liked what you heard today and have appreciated what you've heard on this podcast so far, it would mean a whole lot to me if you would go and leave a review and rate this podcast. And also share this with someone that you know has a leadership team and would like to see more excellence on that team. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week. And until then, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, 
It feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, Business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If Business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now, or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon, and until then, keep living and leading well.